Welcome to Doctor Who's line, is it anyway? Where everything is made up and neither script or canon matters. Listeners, and welcome to another exciting adventure in the land of Doctor Who's line, is it? Anyway, and this is a very exciting week for us because this is something completely different. This is, well, let's say it's another in conversation with, but this is not a recent conversation. This is a conversation from 29 years ago, uh, held in 1990 in Exeter at the Exospace Convention when I was involved with running, in fact, um, a local Doctor Who group. Turned up just as a guest, but we did a fanzine, and I thought it would be nice if we could get some interviews for the fanzine. So I spoke to a few people, and one of the people who said, oh yes, that'd be fine, I'd be very happy to chat with you, was the late lamented Debbie Watling. So she invited me up to her room for a chat, and we spent about three quarters of an hour just chewing the fat. And I recorded this for the purposes of the interview for the uh, for the fanzine that we were doing, but I've, I've recorded it on film. So what I've done is I've taken the soundtrack from this video, which has never been seen, it's never been out there, it's never been put online, and this is the conversation between myself and the lovely Debbie Watling, sadly no longer with us. Uh, we don't go into the usual line of conversation, the usual interview questions that get asked, because, uh, well, she's said it all before, hasn't she? So I tried to find out some different things about her. So this is what happened, and we hope you enjoy it. Well, I've no idea what I'm going to ask at all. It doesn't matter. Uh, uh, is it on now? It's, I think it's, it's just the sound, moment. is it? It's just, well, it, I mean, there's pictures coming through as well, but it's for the purpose of sound. Oh, right. Um, as I say, because this is when you take the order. One thing that I did decide this afternoon is that I haven't asked you all the questions you've been asked before. Because <laughs> you must be sick of all the tell the stories. Oh, well, yeah. And every time I'm asked the convention, I think, well, we're going to ask you this story, or say this story, or that story, I think it must get boring. Mm. But it doesn't people, seem to. I know. I was talking to some of the people downstairs, and uh, they said either they don't listen or they don't care. Mm. You know, hearing the same thing over and over again. But I think a lot of it is the fact that there's always new people going to conventions that want to hear the stories. Oh, that's good. That's um, good. This might be worrying when you're up there and you know, you're there to entertain as well. Mm. And you think, oh, how can I make this slightly different? You can't. That's your time. It actually all depends on the guy who's interviewing. Mm. Yeah. And what he asks. Yes, that's right. But I think the panel today went quite well. Mm. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good panel to start. Well, that's right. What happened after? Um, let's see, immediately afterwards... It was a quiz, wasn't it? It was the quiz. And which which actually a waste of time, because there were only eight of us who went up for it. Oh. So the first round of the quiz was just if you watched the slides, and there was just a gap between that and the next panel. What was the next panel? The next panel was... John uh, Woodnut and James Brick, which apparently was very entertaining. I didn't see a lot of that, because I was out sat in the commercial. Oh, wow. I caught... James Brick... 
he was um, in the war games, which is perhaps our story. Yeah. And he's been in two since, one with Tom Baker and one with Colin. Colin yeah. He seems like a nice chap, actually. He doesn't look to have changed very much over the years. Oh. So one thing that I noticed with Prentice Hancock when I saw him, yeah. he looks exactly the same. Exactly the same. When was Prentice? His last story was. Something's coming up 
few of us in next week, which is a new sitcom. Giles, we saw him recently because he was in Plymouth 
with William Gaunt and Jamaica Rib. That's right. Did you see the show? Mm, yes, yes, yes. Just, just two of us. John and I went down to see oh. it. And thoroughly enjoyed it. It was well, very I'm good. When Giles walked on all the leather gear and the medallion bag yeah. or something. Well, that's Michael Grubby you're talking about. I mean, I remember <laughs> the short trousers. There were two girls in front of me and he walked a figure. He walked on and they went, oh! <laughs> Yeah. And the music was good, the lighting was good. Who was the actor who owned 
was a guy called Frederick. Maybe I was playing the summer and a bit of a strange last time. We always used to get back to 
Jesus was in the dark, he showed him drove. And the bidet rang, it broke off the wood, it was already working fire. Mm. That must have added to the atmosphere that other people were coming from so many different oh, places. From everywhere, all over the country. Must have made it seem. It was so good. special. A huge Christmas tree. And that's the ceiling. We always, after Christmas lunch, which was the greatest day in itself, Mother always packed over the turkey for the stuff. Uh, we used to sing carols around the piano with my younger sister and my aunt there. It was very, very special. And I, because of course my aunt's dead now, very few people died used to come for Christmas. And we can never recapture it. But however much one tries, and once you can't. Anything in your life that you'd have done differently, given the job you did? No regrets. No regrets. I've done. There's, there's a difference between not having any regrets and wanting to do something different. No. No. I don't think so. I don't think there's many people who can say that. I don't think so. Um, but you see, I feel that really. Really, just starting, getting into the older part, and doing that, and I think I should come back into my own. Quite soon. I'm not So that's good. I'm not going to be that pretty for girl next door. I'm not going to. Oh, but I'd like to do a few tower parts. I'd like to enjoy it, but uh, I think I should come to my own now. Which I've always been told. People always said you will come to your own. Thank you. 
who said to me, how can you drive one of the place you little thing on your own? But I'm a big girl now. <laughs> but, uh, no, I don't think it's just like I'd like to waste, actually. Mm. But you also find that people who race professionally are extremely safe on the road. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's like um, uh, the drivers who uh, drive on heavy goods vehicles. I've got a friend who's an actor, but when he's out of work, he drives those. And I must admit, when I drive in his car after a short night, we're going home somewhere, that summer, it's perhaps a pedestrian in his driver. Very safe, but never goes over 60. Never. Okay. Well, away from God, yeah. I do agree. Yes. And he's always looking, all, I thought, safer, safer with him than anybody else. But sometimes I thought, why didn't you put your foot down? When does the clear road in front of you? Mm. Put your foot down. I know but people it's exactly the same. It's exactly the same. It's fine. She's aware of things that can happen. Mm-hmm. It probably has happened since. Yeah, I can understand the distance because obviously the stopping distance the big truck is going to yeah. be going to yeah. so you wouldn't actually keep a greater distance. He said to me when he was driving these huge trucks, I was like, oh, I'll do this for you. Yes, of course. <laughs> I'll just explain my quit. Yes. No, exactly. Why can't you give me any time at all? Oh, possibly. Come on, please. What's all about? Um, yes, he, I see this, uh, when I say this huge thing, Continental, and he said the worst people driving are farmers with their family. They think they're overtaking a car. Mm. He says he's been cut off so many times with children in the back, mm. and he's had to put the brakes on. Yes. And he said, I got so close at one point. He stopped his Sources, or not very much, but beef, meat, beef, meat, 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 meat,
I like her too. With mozzarella cheese. Do you remember the white mozzarella? The sliced one? Yes. Because we buffalo love mozzarella. With sliced tomatoes, fresh basil and vinaigrette, and a piece of I think, French bread, mm-hmm. dry French bread. Give me a plate of that. I think I do. <laughs> Well, a blowout on the nose. Over half of which came off the wine. Oh, yes. Uh, I 
blindness for a reason. Yeah. 
Right, I'll have okay. to get this Yeah, that's fine. Yes. That's fine. I shall see you. You'll see me around this evening, certainly. I'll That'll be, be nice. And as I say, I shall be here all day tomorrow. So there you go. That was sadly cut a little bit short because of prior commitments that she had, but that was the lovely Debbie Watling and myself chatting about just things in general, really. After that, I, I also managed to grab a few words with Mr. John Leeson, the voice of K9 himself. This is a little bit more traditional of an interview, and it's sadly cut short because the, the tape ran out on the camcorder. But there's about ten minutes worth of this, so we've thrown it in as an extra. So this is uh, this is a chat with John Leeson. Hello. Oh, <laughs> there is a red light. There, there is a red light. Hello. Yes. Right. Um, so how did you get involved with the doctor in the first place? Involved by accident, as as all the best things in life you get involved in by accident. My agent phoned up and he said to me, John, somebody at the BBC would like to play a tin dog in Doctor. Do you fancy doing it? So I said, well, yes, all right. I mean, I'm game for anything, even a lot. Um, and lo and behold, I went to see Graham Williams. Graham Williams said, well, we've got this, this new dog. This is the plans of it. Can you put a voice on it? What do you think you could do for us? So I said, well, I think it's got a, it's got a Scottish tongue collar. Do you want it Scottish? No, 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 perhaps not Scottish. Um, but we want to get the idea that this is a, a fantastic piece of computer machine which can deliver information in nanoseconds. Brilliant. But we want it to sound as if it comes out of a tiny little elliptical speaker, you know, with a tiny cheap tranny. So can you do a voice like that? So I sent a tape into the BBC. Uh, to Graham Williams' office, and about a fortnight later, I had anguished calls from the BBC saying, Have you accepted the job? Have you accepted it? So I said, Well, I didn't realise it had been offered. Yes, well, uh, fine, if you want me to do it, yes, well, I'll have you do it. And uh, it was, as I thought then, just one story Invisible Enemy. And then, of course, beyond that, well, it's become sort of history, hasn't it, really? How <laughs> soon? into the story to get the idea that it's going to be beyond the Probably at the end of The Invisible Enemy. Uh, the last talking about it, running K9 as a, as a regular I think The Invisible Enemy, as I recall, and it's going back a bit, but I think there were two enemies. Uh, one when he would stay with Professor Marcus, and the other one when he would be loaned to the Doctor on some extended loan. No fines for late return. So there they are. Right, and uh, of course the early uh, K9 machines caused a lot of problems with cameras. Oh, it did. Did this affect um, you? Yes, it did. I, I felt personally responsible. I felt personally responsible. I mean, I'd rehearsed it. I was in the rehearsal rooms. I'd done all the, the coming, running around the floor with it. And um, I knew where I was going. In fact, the, the rest of the cast knew where K9 was going. Well, of course, it didn't in the studios. I felt terribly guilty. Oh, God, I should be sacked because I can't get the machinery right. And it's nothing to do with me. It was purely a pleasure. It didn't work. So embarrassment was writ large. Of 
course, the machine itself improved with time. Did you feel that the character developed? It's difficult to develop characters in science fantasy because they're they're really sort of archetypal. Uh, long word, sorry, but it, it sort of it means good. Um, <clears throat> once you've seen them and once you've accepted their parameters, they're fixed. You can't develop them in character at all. There's no inner life to them other than what they are, like doctors too. I mean, there's no sort of sex life or whatever else. Um, they are what you expect to see, and the doctor will endlessly perform what you expect to see. There's a certain formulaic um, structure for the character. So you can't really sort of go beyond that. What you can have is inventive writing. Beyond the framework that the audience has originally seen and accepted, you can't go too much further. Yeah. Yes, because the canine did tend to become more human as time went on, I felt. There was the, 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 the joke in the amazing time about giving the day off school. I didn't notice that, you see, I, I'm a very simple servant, I don't even understand computers. It takes me long for my time to work my wife's computer. Uh, but that, that's another matter. Are there any stories that you feel didn't work with canine or could have worked better? Difficult to say. Um, there were certainly physically quite difficult, difficult stories to work. Underworld was a, a nightmare to work, purely for the technical reasons that we were all working on, on CSO. Working in a studio with nothing in it except blue. Yes. Um, and that was still a problem for you for yourself? Of course it was. Because, came, well, it, well, I mean, technically, for the person who was driving K9 about me, it was. But no, I think the, the great sort of highlights, the high points of the K9 era were delicious scripts by Robert Holmes and others, um, which really told the story. celebrated it. Celebration was one of Tom Baker's great big words, sort of key words. And uh, it, it's very important, I think, for any actors anywhere to, to celebrate the character they play, to actually strike 12 and not half past nine. Um, I was talking on the panel this morning about working with K-9, being K-9, and having to invest about 150% energy in order to convey purely in oral terms what the visual actors were more than Because television isn't radio, radio isn't word. That's what am I talking about? We know that, we know that. Were you happy with the way it came on then? Oh no, eSpace is a dreadful place to be sent. Because I last story jammering incoherently. Yes, he did, yes, poor soul. I mean, his duracells were going down. It was a hall. He kept getting kicked. And, and his head was knocked off on one occasion, I seem to remember. I blame Bill Fraser. I blame Bill Fraser. <laughs> ah, what a lovely actor he was. Lovely actor. Of course, you worked with him twice. I did, indeed. Canine Company. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Well, he wasn't particularly partial to Canine Company. No, no, no. What was it like doing Canine Company without um, 
any of the, the regular cast as such. I was the regular cast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, without the Doctor Who cast. Um, it's lovely, of course, working with Liz Slade, who's a chump and lives fairly near me. But I think the problem with K9 and Company was that it was based on, on a terrestrial film. It was here on Earth rather than somewhere magically in space. Um, and so I suppose there would have been difficulties in following up the series, let alone the financial jobs, because it was made on a shoestring budget. No, um, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Thank you. 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 Oh, I think so. To be left at the garden gate saying, Mistress, don't go, don't go, don't enjoy the episode, don't get involved, <laughs> stay here, there's danger. You know, um, yes, it would be nice to be that bit more, but there were a lot of doctors around, and I suppose they took priority. As they yeah. On the subject of doctors, which is a series in Fate of Flux, were you to be offered as part of the Doctor himself? <laughs> Would you want to do it? Yes. Because <laughs> you could have played one man as he does. Oh, certainly. Oh, certainly. <laughs> yes, I'd love to play the Doctor. Um, um, how would you do that? How do you know that? Cool, cool. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Roy, you're throwing it at Dear, I honestly don't know. I haven't given it any thought. Really? Because it's, it's never seriously been advanced as a, as, as a possibility. Um, I love that. I think what is important to remember, in my view of the Doctor, the Doctor is an anarchist, basically. Um, I think it's a mistake, perhaps, to have Doctors who are of this world. You really need somebody who's, who's off the wall. Tom Baker, of course, with whom I work, was so there you have it it uh, stops a bit abruptly unfortunately but that was John Leeson back in 1990 and myself so hope you enjoyed that listeners if you did then great if you didn't <laughs> what can I do about it I don't know anyway um, please join us for our Christmas episode which is obviously coming up uh, when's that coming up oh yeah Christmas <laughs> Christmas day it's going to drop for Mission to the Unknown it's going to be exciting I just hope I can finish it before Christmas <laughs> so there we go thank you for listening see you again soon cheers bye bye <laughs> If you'd like to get involved with Doctor Who's Liners in any way, there's many different ways that you can do so. Obviously, we're always looking for cast members. So, if you just fancy having a go, having a go at a bit of improv, the more people we can get involved, the better the chance of actually recording something and therefore producing new episodes for you to listen to. Uh, so, you can reach us through Twitter, through Facebook, any one of us you can speak to, myself, Kat, Suki, Robin... Sue, any one of us, just let, let us know that you're interested and we'll get you in, on board and you can have a go. You can also, if you like, try your hand a bit of editing. 
my new job is taking up a lot of my time and therefore I'm not getting much of an opportunity to do much editing and I can't do much at the moment anyway because all the files are in the ether but if we produce new stuff it would be nice if somebody else would like to have a go at that so you can do that obviously if you fancy producing sound effects music ideas for plots ideas for uh, characters anything like that we'd be more than grateful to receive them and we'll instigate anything that we can for you and of course it always helps to uh, boost our, our ratings boost our public profile if we can get likes and comments on things like iTunes so if you've listened to the podcast and you like what you hear just stick a few stars on it for us just write a little review it would be very much appreciated and if it gets us out there more people hear us more people might be interested in joining in we might get more cast as a result of that it keeps the podcast going so any assistance you can give us in that direction would be very much appreciated and as mentioned previously we will be back in a couple of weeks with our next episode so until then cheerio from all of us here on bbc one a very good night good night